Guess it was a good day to be a robot boy. Am I right? Wake up, nobodies. It's that time of the week. Run it in circles and walk it in Memphis. I know that's nonsense, but hey, so is this broadcast. Speaking of wacky doo-doos, let's check in with the boys here at Dew Patrol Radio, WDPR 96.3, your favorite interdimensional radio station. Hello, hello. If you're listening, then you've been staring at this painting for way too long. My name is Mark, along with my good friend Nate over here. And today we're talking about episode number six of Doom Patrol, which is called uh, Doom Patrol Patrol. Good one. Uh, um, This is an episode where we get to learn all about the Doom Patrol again. and uh, A different Doom Patrol. A different Doom Patrol. I'm Nate, by the way, over here, Mark's friend. Did I not say your name? No, you said my name, but you said my friend Nate over here. And I kind of, I didn't want it to go like a few minutes without like hearing another voice. So someone's going to be like, where's the other guy that said he was over there? I think he's making it all up. This guy's a hack. He I think doesn't it's know all up in my about. head. Yeah. Nate, how are you feeling today? Eh, rough. 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 Rough day. Rough, rough day. Like what, you know, in dog terms. Oh. So that's low, buddy. Like Scruff McGruff. Rough. Yeah. Oh, I get you. Is there anything else that rhymes? Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. That was it. Once they figured out that that was all that could rhyme, they were like, all right, I think we're good here. We just need... I, I mean, think we can retire this dog. I mean, like, he only needs the two names, though. Scruff McGruff, take a bite out of crime. Never forget. Today, we're talking about Doom Patrol Patrol, the sixth episode of Doom Patrol. Nate, how'd you feel about today's episode? Um... Uh, if I were to give you a harsh word to say... At points, I was underwhelmed, but at no time did it lose my attention. Really? Yeah. Can I be honest? Yeah. This is my favorite episode so You're far. Hitting season. It absolutely is. All right. Let's it get was, into it. It was. It was my favorite. This episode. is a. This is a. T- this is this what they call it. Would be a very it. interesting episode, wouldn't a it be? Talkie. A walkie. Oh, talkie. If uh-huh. you're walking while listening to this. Yeah. But if you're also sitting. It's a city talkie. Well, if you're sitting, make sure you stand up and stretch every yeah. You know, so often when your you little Apple Watch tells you to stand up, does it do that? Stand up. It tells you to stand up. Stand up, nerd. <laughs> I can't hear you. Speak up. <laughs> it should also say that. <laughs> hey, hey, I can't hear you. Quit being timid. Yeah, can I get the New York Siri, not the Australian one? Yeah. Let me get the the New York one. Speak up. They can't hear you. Um, yeah, this was my, uh, favorite episode so far because it had uh, overall, before we start to get into like the nitty gritty of what happened in in today's episode, it had what captured me in the very first time I read about Doom Patrol, the very first time you and I got to talk about Doom Patrol, stuff that happens in Crawling from the Wreckage, which was the first time I read anything about Doom Patrol. Um, it had emotional weight. That I always look, I was always looking for in like the X Men comics and stuff, and yes, the pilot episode does capture that in this season, but it's still a pilot episode. And so with a pilot episode, it's like you have to not the pilot from Titans. 
No, the pilot episode of, of this one of okay. this show, the show that we do a podcast about. Yeah, well, yeah, the episode one. Well, I don't know if the one from Titans is considered the pilot. Oh, yes, yeah, you, like on mm. like on paper, is that the pilot? Technically, that is the pilot. Is this, it's like a because it was like a, it was like a. That, a that's a, a Mar- what is that? A maracas. A test run. This is me <laughs> with my Italian hands going. I don't know what is one of these two things. I don't know what I'm holding. I'm, two, usually, that's maracas. It's two bottles of Windex. I solve everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a Greek reference. Anyways. Two bottles of Windex? I don't know. They solve everything. I'm not getting into it. I've <laughs> never heard that one before. I gotta have You I just gotta, gotta watch my big down. fat Greek wedding and then come back to me. But I think there's... I think it's okay territory if they were in those two movies. Yeah, Greek and Italy are close enough to make yeah. the reference. Um, but yeah, that episode four of Titans might be the true pilot to... True pilot coming this fall. Doom Patrol episode one, which was its second pilot. Um, can't wait to get 21 pilots. Anyways. Oh my <laughs> fucking God. But anyways... <laughs> When you do the pilot, the second one, <laughs> yes, you have to sell to a large general audience to be like, this is Doom Patrol. If you don't know what it is, here it is. There's good humor. There's depression. There's psychedelic surrealism out the wazoo because of Grant Morrison doing a run in the 80s. And so a lot of people fell in love with that. And so it became a staple within Doom Patrol. I thought you were going to say Grant Morrison doing drugs in the 80s. He did that too. He still does. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it, it that all, ha- like everything that happened in Doom Patrol's history has to be kind of like served on like a sampler platter in the first pilot. This episode has more of the like depressed future of mm-hmm. like the entropy out of it all you know like it has that which i fell in love with reading doom patrol for the first time when you lent me the volume one of grant morrison's book mm-hmm. it was that um not cynical because i always think cynical has like a, a smile to it um but it has more of like that that watchman entropy vibe to it mm-hmm. where it is that kind of downtrodden like here's the reality of things um like and everything's just gonna it, it's all just over and done with anyway that it's, it's like, over yeah. and done with um but in a sense like but you have to suffer you have to keep going yeah and yeah, and, like, yeah and, you have to suffer <laughs> yeah it's like but it's like you see it's you like s- entropy exists so everything is going to end eventually but you have you to live keep, through. You got to carry that weight. Yeah. And so that's what this episode was for me, was seeing characters grow and maybe grow darker. Uh, maybe not themselves grow darker, but grow grow within the darkness that, that happens in the episode. And so the by the end of the episode, I was like, I think this is my favorite one so far because it, it went into that part that I like the most about Doom Patrol. Because when I think about Doom Patrol, I like to compare it to, like most other people do, they they go Doom Patrol. You know, it, we were talking about Doom Patrol like five years ago. Mm-hmm. People would have been like, that's just DC's 
you know, at the time Vertigo was just trying to do their version of X-Men, like, and it's not, it's like a small niche thing. How many years ago? Five years ago? Five years ago? Mm. That's a long time ago. If you would have told someone five years ago, man, I really like Doom Patrol, they would have been like, hey, watch those Mark and Nate kids. I think they're... 2014? I think they're depressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they got some bad home lives. I mean, what? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's I, generalizing. I apologize. We... You but the, like there's life. so many other team ups. There's so many other team ups. Like what makes Doom Patrol special? And it, you could be like, oh well, it just was an acid trip. You know, it was just wackiness. Mm-hmm. But that's not what initially caught me. It was just that they have terrible lives, and and for some reason that struck a chord with me more than people saying that yeah. the mutants and X Men have terrible lives and stuff like. Mm-hmm. This to me, seems... it's it's the reverse. It's more of a curse than a gift, is what it is. And yeah. you have to live with that curse. Yeah, and and they say it a lot in X Men. I keep using them as as the greatest. It's okay. Comparison. You can do that because it is the it's yeah. pretty much the only comparison we can have, unless you're pulling if you're if you're stretching real hard to compare it to its in universe things like uh, the Justice League or Justice dynamics. League Justice League Dark. Yeah, and, but they're not nearly on the level of no uh, mental psychiatric problems or whatever yeah. than and see, they like, are like just sleep dark like they don't hate their powers yeah exactly and they're they just like it. they're like we're we're magic love, yeah yeah and it's yeah. like well, we, handle, shit, we do magic we talk to a lot shit, of dead people i'm a demon yeah <laughs> i'm a demon you know <laughs> like yeah oh frankenstein's here it's all cool yeah Franken- it's based off frankenstein's monster but he looks his like, name is Frankenstein. Frankenstein. yeah he is yeah, Frankenstein. it's the I one exception can... <laughs> <laughs> but dead man loves his power kind of he's like I feel hey. like Dead Man lives it up. I I know that yeah. he's like on you know depressed levels. Mm-hmm. Is that is it okay that we can say that comic book characters are depressed? I guess in our own depend, opinion of it. And See, people don't like when you do that sometimes. Yeah, right. Because when you start to say Superman is depressed, people go, "Superman can't de- be depressed. He's got a job to do." And it's man, like, you're and it's lying like, to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how we get into the conversation of. Henry Cavill Superman. Anyways, yeah, this was my favorite episode of the season just because I felt like it it went into that which I loved about it. Um, the deep end, if you will. Yeah. Um, were, were there any highlights of the... I want to... Since it was not so great to you, I want to hear what your... Maybe what your highlight of it was and then maybe what your most underwhelming part was. I think the highlight was to see... Other Doom Patrol lore and older characters mm-hmm. be thrown into it, and mm-hmm. and seeing what their role is, yeah, at this time point, yes, at, you know, at this moment in time, and it's cool that it's cool that those characters, like the ones that we see that they existed in, um, the old older Doom Patrol run. Sorry, I was thinking about other things. Anyway, it's cool seeing them in the older run and how they fit into a somewhat modern era. Um, versus like Grant Morrison kind of, it's, it's not, they're not like rebooted, you know, it's, it's not like, so like Mento is a character in this, in mm-hmm, this episode. Mm-hmm. It's not like they just, in the, in the trailer, it shows that where it shows like Incredibles, like Mento. yeah, prime time yeah. Mento kind of thing. And it's like, oh, so they're like, just this guy just like worked with Niles before and now he's just like strolling by and, at mm-hmm. the, you know, and he just shows up. No, it's not like that. I like that. It makes you think it's like that, but it's not like that at all. Their their reality is garbage. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's cool to see those older characters like we get to talk about and see them, how they fit into this modern one. Like another character we're, we, we've been prone to, to talk about is Flex Mentallo. 
it'd be really cool to see where he fits. If he is a modern day, like he is strolling down the street and says, oh, the door was open. I walked in. I have meta powers. I feel like I would buy it. If they do a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, no, he was in the past. Like, he was strongman, like, when they were popular in Mm -hmm. the 1920s and stuff. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Because that's reality. You dig? So that that, that was my main highlight, seeing the past characters or seeing older characters or just deeper lore being put into the modern time in and they were from the past. Yeah. I can't form a cohesive sentence. I I I I get what you're putting down. Um and I think there's something that really that's kind of really cool that happens in the Grant Morrison books of the way that they introduce Flex Mentalo because for those who don't know who this character is, Flex Mentallo is a superhero that really is the representation of a circus strongman, and that is his superpowers. He is a super-powered uh, circus strongman, which is what Superman was based off of with his suit design and, and just like that idea of, of what that appearance was. And so Flex Mentallo is somewhat of a... a a wink at kind of like the origin of superheroes. Um, and so if Flex Mentallo is something based off the thirties, maybe his origin is in the thirties, but in the Grant mm-hmm. Morrison run, it's like he's suspended in time where yeah. he's stuck. And in... s- same with Gerard ways. Like, mm-hmm. and b- but they had plot devices that helped them like yeah. Danny and all that stuff. Yeah. And so it's not uncommon for these characters to find their way into whatever time period they need to be in. Mm -hmm. And that's what this episode does. And so, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we know there's an answer for this. So what is the answer? And like, there's no wrong answer. Like you can be honest with us, just tell us anything. But, and, and what's, what works is that they always come up with something, uh, creative to, to kind of explain it all. Um, First of all, this this episode is a huge uh, read a far episode. Um, I see you yawning over. Is it, that was sorry. That okay. wasn't. That was. I forgot. I wasn't, that. No, that was not like a bit that I was doing for a yawning about. <laughs> no, 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 far. no. I love. That I was going to ask you a question, but you're, yeah, it does sound bad now. But I was, <laughs> was going to ask you a question, um, but I was going to wait. But the um, I was going to ask you like what what did you find underwhelming in the episode? Um, I was skipping ahead when I said the read far bit. I'm so, uh, it's nothing specific of mm-hmm. what I found that was underwhelming in, the, in this episode because mm-hmm. we do get a lot of information and mm-hmm. a lot more information about Niles Calder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like particular things. It's just um, they weren't on. So like when I think about um, like Mr. Nobody and like when they went to Nurheim and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Those are like whole arcs in my opinion. Like yes. big, those were like big deals, especially when I was reading them in the book. It was like, oh, this is a, this is an issue, guys. This is a big this is, fight. This is a crisis. Yeah. Like it's, it's on that kind of level. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just getting back to back, like big, big things happening in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, I didn't get the same feeling here. This is a more kind of calmer, let's get back to our roots kind of episode. Yeah. Um, the things that do catch my attention, and I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I want more action and exploding. No, I don't care about that. There, I like character building. You say that, but then there are. There yeah. are people who want that. And I know, absolutely. Um, I'm not particularly one of them. 
when I'm watching these new episodes of Doom Patrol, mm-hmm. I'm trying to find the thing that I am actively looking for is the surrealism and how they're going to bring in art into this. Cause I, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to analyze that, art, my man. That influence. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I understand. Yeah, no, there there are people um, who might only know Doom Patrol as maybe Grant Morrison's more crazier stuff mm-hmm. um, because it really was Grant Morrison's chance to really unleash like the surrealism into things. Like everyone knows Grant Morrison has his touches on Superman and Wonder Woman, and he's been able to kind of explore their mythos with All-Star Superman and then the Earth One Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Doom Patrol, nobody cared about the characters. Uh, what Paul Kupperberg was, was doing wasn't enough to sell, so Grant Morrison took over and then he redefined their universe and and for the better of profit you know people really enjoyed it it was like an explosion of art and so for me reading it and for you reading it we were like wow this is incredible stuff it's just mind-blowing craziness um and it went from there and so people do expect that people want um what we got in the last two episodes which was the decreator recreator mm-hmm. cult of the unwritten book you know like it's just just horse with the the oracle horse head singing Mm -hmm. songs you know like people love that stuff and so when they see that stuff they go this is doom patrol show me that and this episode is not that Mm -mm. this episode is is the complete 180 like it's time to change gears Mm -hmm. and show you why doom patrol is a much i think why can i finish your sentence why doom patrol is a much more complicated thing than you are looking Mm -hmm. at like it 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 goes way deeper Mm -hmm. and again like we have you know there's pages upon pages of characters that aren't the main four or five characters that we're seeing on Mm -hmm. the weekly basis so integrating them into these little stories even if it's just one episode here and there it's perfect Mm -hmm. it's great yeah it's better i mean in my opinion, already so far, how many episodes is this? Six? This is six. Six, six. episodes in? Six episodes better than Titans. <laughs> Absolutely. And nothing yes. bad about Titans. It was a great show. It was fun. It was awesome. It was action-packed. But it didn't make me think. Yeah. <laughs> it I, didn't make me look into myself and, and, and actually think and, the and two, analyze. I, I keep saying this, but the two Hawk and Dove episodes... That was than... more of like yeah, those were but those were like uh, those are like heartstrings, and it is kind of like uh, but it's a two, heroes. Fight. But it's two characters that aren't really they are part of the Titans. Yeah, but it's like if you took those two episodes and were like, hey, this was the Hawk and Dove show, I'd say that was a better season. Oh, dude, you should check out the Hawk, Hawk and Dove book. It was pretty dang good. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if it needs a whole season. But I'm saying those two episodes no. were the best yeah. part of yeah. of that. And if that says that says a lot for that season because. If Hawk and Dove was the best part of the show, then what was wrong with the rest of it? Yeah. And that's a that's a bigger discussion. But even two episodes in of Doom Patrol, the one episode of Doom Patrol in Titans was like, this is what I want. This is great stuff. They started to touch on it. Um, Centered around Beast Boy. Yeah. they start, Awesome. Because Beast Boy is also a, a kid with problems because he is a Niles Calder project. And so you get a touch of that. And then in the first two episodes of Doom Patrol, they kind of touch on it. And it's like every episode, especially with Negative Man, every episode 
they go a little bit more, a little bit more of what his issue is, and it, it sucks. Especially the last episode with Negative Man on the bus. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Um, and so the, the the surrealism acid trip, you know, whatever's happening to them, you know, whatever jargon they want to write on paper and say, this is, this is the issue. Yes, it attracts people. But these kind of episodes are why it has a show to itself, why people stay. It's... And I'm going to make this reference a lot, but with Star Trek, it's that thing of, you know, something wacky is happening with, you know, some other... Give me an example. What episode <sighs> you got in mind? What episode do I have in mind? Um, I don't know which which Star Trek I want to pull from. Um, yeah, right. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I know. There's so many. I'm trying to think of something like Next Generation, so... They, They'll probably introduce like, okay, let's just go some simple, like the Borg, right? Like the Borg become like a, a major force for them, mm-hmm. a villain, and, and people go, wow, this the is... The threat, if you will. Yeah, and they go, wow, this is this is what space fighting is like. You mm-hmm. know, like they're out in space, now it's like an army thing, and it's like, yeah, but Star Trek wasn't really about that, but, you know, okay, we can get into that. Oh, man. What? Wait till you get to Discovery. Okay, but... <laughs> I literally... So, I'm going to say a thing right now and i think is what you're trying to piece together yeah so i w- i've been watching star trek discovery now mm-hmm. and i realized where it's like oh cool when they were writing this they realized hey we can write star trek but you guys realize there was a war going on right <laughs> well in their history yeah in their yeah time. and it's yeah. like it's like you you guys so like look at next generation stuff like that mm-hmm. explorers and you, it's like wait hang on there's wars going on right now, guys. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal. And it's like what Star- what Discovery is. In my opinion, I was watching. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, somebody's, somebody on Twitter said um, Star Trek Discovery works. It's one of the, it's the only Star Trek that they can go an entire season without introducing like a, a villain, a main villain. Yeah, you have the Klingon Empire. That's like the, the opposing team. Mm-hmm. But it's all crew-centered. Which is, you know, it's great anyway. Yeah, no, and mm. and that's kind of... Deep that's, Space Nine also does it, but yeah, this is... That's what's happening in, in this show mm-hmm. is that you have the psychedelic, trippy villains and stuff like that. And stuff. Even the villain of... Uh, Mr. Nobody is still the villain. They're still pursuing w- Mr. Nobody in this because they got to find more information. Jane yeah. heard a message from him, so like, well, Mr. Nobody told me this. What about Mr. Nobody? When did you fight Mr. Nobody? And yeah, he is like the, air quote, villain, mm-hmm. but... What's the conflict is what's happening within themselves. Within themselves, yeah, and that's what happens in in Star Trek is that you have, um, like, okay, we're just gonna do our episodes where we do wacky, crazy space stuff, and people go, "Wow, that's super wacky, crazy space stuff," but then you get the episodes like where Picard and and Crusher are like stuck on a planet together, mm-hmm. and then they oh, and they mm-hmm. bond and stuff like that, or you have episodes where. Uh, Julian Bashir is stuck on a planet helping and it's like these character Ooh. episodes you know what I mean like yeah there are just episodes <laughs> frontier medicine that don't have to do with the Dominion uh-huh. and and the, the Romulan uh, what is that no conflict zone the demilitarized zone yeah like in, that's what they call it in real life in yeah. North Korea is that what it's called in a, do I, they call it a DMZ I forgot what they <laughs> called it but it was like uh Con- no control space or neutral, neutral neutral space, zone neutral territory I don't yeah. know was it um, the neutral zone I where think. the Maquis ran to was it uh, that's where they went to and this is still Star Trek talk I'm sorry yeah, it's not they, a Star Trek podcast 
uh, no, there's but, so many of them. But yes, there are episodes where they go, look, here are all the, the what are those quibbles thing? What are they, what are those things called? Here are all the fluffy things from oh, the, the original Jesus series. Christ. But then there are episodes where it's like, hey, let's talk about how. Tribbles. Tribbles. And it's like, oh, let's talk how, how, how much it sucks to be Odo. You know, something like that. Like yeah. an episode devoted like that. And this is one of those episodes where I'm like, this is this is why we stay. This is why shows, you know, get other seasons because people start to really fall in love. And so for us, who've been reading Doom Patrol, it's like we've already come to expect some of these things. We're Crazy Jane, Cliff Steele. Like we know their lives suck in the comic books. And so when we see uh, instances of that, we go, hey, wait a minute. We know this. And yeah, I, I so feel it. And I have so, a question of, about that. Yeah. We are following this series because we have the sources to draw from because we have read mm-hmm. the comics and mm-hmm. everything like that. Now I'm pointing to you. Listeners out there in the ether. It's not pointing to me. It's pointing I'm to not you. not pointing to you, Mark. pointing, at, pointing the at the listeners. So listeners, if you were going into this blind without knowing anything, which I know people are, mm-hmm. how are you faring on keeping up? Is Do you hit an episode like this where they do start talking about a butt balloon jukebox and you're like, I'm out? Or do you are you staying on board because you're like, you get it. You get that it's weird and you get that it's demented and batshit crazy. I'm curious. I think more often than not, and I don't mean to speak for you, listener, but this is will be in the past, so I we're going to hit on a couple of things. I think more often than not, it is those butt-shaped hot air balloon cops are now pinatas and being torn apart by humans. Those things keep the people in interested. That wasn't in, and we just had an episode where we got to talk about how depressing it is to have meta powers, mm-hmm. and that's the rest of your life. And you here, take these pills and sit down, and that's kind of what your life will look like in fifty years. That people don't like that, and so it's it's like Dawn of Justice, another comparison, where it's like, why are this just talking? Where is the fighting? Where is the action? And so when you get these like that, the scene that we're talking about with the hot air balloon, the Mr. Nobody flashback. That's the only action really in this scene um, towards the end. Like there's most of it is a, a learning mm-hmm. process, uh, history, uh, a bit of a crime solving episode. So there's not really hard punching action in this one. And, and that might tune some people out. They might tend to go, mm, okay. I mean, I'm not really invested but that's the point of these episodes is to get you invested if you're willing to get invested with it. Some people, like I said earlier, just want the decreator stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so more often than not, that's how it's keeping their interest is, is seeing those psychedelic stuff happening. Um, that being said, this is that's why I like this episode so much because it's um, very character developing. Um, like I said at the beginning of the episode, this is a... Um, Huge Rita Farr episode. Um, April Bowlby is absolutely killing it. I love her performance. Uh, we start with a little flashback of her uh, dealing with the stretching problem that she's been having. She's trying to keep everything in control. The agency that she goes to like a, uh, try to win her case for a new a new uh, a new role mm-hmm. uh, is called Bloom Pictures. Did you catch that reference? I'd- What's the reference? Um, it is a nod to the producers because I think their their thing is called Blue oh, Picture. Oh, uh, uh, Mel Brooks producers or 
Yes, the producers. Yes, yeah. the producers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Bloom Pictures. I, I Do they? Would... Is that in? Is that in? The, is that in it? I've. Huh. I thought you were a big fan of this. I thought. I no, like... Mike is a really big Mel Brooks fan. I've. I'm. I like Mel Brooks. He's good. The producers. I saw the remake with uh, Nathan, Nathan Lane, and, Lane and Matthew Broderick, and mm-hmm. I don't remember it because it was like one of those. Uh... You didn't know it was a musical. No, you put the movie on and nefarious activities happen. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go, on. Uh, go um, on. So it was one of those. Um, and at one point it was like, oh, this was a musical and it's not really hitting on these uh, the, the mood that we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So it got turned off. Anyway, um, do they, is that Bloom Studios, Bloom Productions? And Bloom, Bloom Pictures, I Bloom think. Pictures, I think that Bloom was the producers. nod to that, yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it was it was a little interesting little bit that I saw there. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a big it's a big um, big big episode for Rita Farr. She gets to learn. Uh, we get to learn a lot about her, but then it's also her moving on in a sense of everything that she's been through. So it's like do flashbacks that kind of explain her origin, uh, her ability to control her powers, and and she also becomes a helping hand um, because we're dealing with a lot of stuff pre-Grant Morrison, mm-hmm. and what's really smart of the writers is that they use Rita Farr as the vessel to kind of guide us into, like, those things that happened pre-Grant Morrison, like, before Crazy Jane and before we got our, mm-hmm. you know, our Doom Patrol from Grant Morrison. There was a lot of things that happened before him, and they used Rita Farr to kind of, like, tie that in. Um, this is where we get to meet several characters, um, Mento being definitely one of them. And so Mento was in the uh, Titans, Teen Titans episode, um, I think season five opener. Um, and Mento is a, an Arnold Drake uh, character. Um, and I think he was always in the books, like I'm pretty sure he was just like, he was what he usually personifies himself as, which is a hero, a clean cut hero, kind of like your Pixar's Incredibles kind of uh, tone. Um, but in this episode and in, um, the Teen Titans episode, they do kind of portray him as like a shell of, of, of that, like a facade, like who he, what he really is. And what he really is, is is usually a very pretentious, pompous kind of person. Mento? Yes. Yeah. He's, I mean, he was always, he even did that in the Teen Titans show. It was like, he was Mm -hmm. the overstated leader of everything, um, Niles wasn't in the Teen Titans episode, so it's not like they had him. So yeah, Mento was was the leader of the Doom Patrol, and he was very uh, action guy. Nineteen, like just like uh, I don't even know what era that would be. Just like classic, let's punch Nazis kind of type. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean it was a, the sixties, so yeah, everything was. Like, was it the sixties when they were it was in the flashbacks? Uh, yes, it was, it was like it was very early sixties. Um, yeah, very early 60s, mid 60s ish, because this was, it's trying to, it's trying to follow. I mean, yeah, follow it's when I, what the, was it, 63 when this came out? Yeah. Well, yeah, 65 or whatever. So 64, it was current, present yeah, day 63. then, so yeah. Mid 60s. Um, it is trying to, it is trying to line itself up with like, oh, Doom Virtual happened in the 60s, just mm-hmm. like it did in the book. Yeah. That's where it gets kind of metaphysical. Um, and so, yeah, Mento, he's got, what, like, psionic powers? He's got, yeah. like, telekinesis. No, he's not telekinesis, but it's just all around, like, 
He's a mind reader, man. <laughs> he can control things. What is it? Does he? Does he? Is he not telekinetic? Let's see. He's got psionic powers, psionic abilities, all types of empathy. What is psionic abilities? Like you can like is it mind waves that do damage? I think psionic covers it all. Empathetic. Yeah, betazoid. Em- emphatic, empathic, empathic. Em- empathic is betazoid. Empathic, telekinesis, mind reading, um, all all kinds of telekinetic powers, um, telekinetic shields, force, clairvoyance, psychometry, premonition. So he anything heightened he's, by the brain yeah, is, he's, is he's Reed Richards. It's heightened by his salad spinner, as yeah. as Close Steel put it. Um, I wonder if it is actually a salad spinner that they use to make the helmet. I love when they say things like that. Like, you ever seen a salad spinner? I don't know if I've ever seen a salad. I don't spinner. think I've ever seen one. Those things even exist. Are we making things up? Um, you know, Tupperware still is kicking out product. Tupperware, the brand still makes Tupperware. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm sure you could still find a 2019 salad spinner from I'm Tupperware. I'm sure it still exists. Um, it's like the will row hood of star wars with the ice cream machine ice cream maker whatever that the guy runs around with you know that uh star wars character will row Ro- hood yeah it's like a guy in an orange jumpsuit yeah. runs around with an ice cream machine in bespin and then they go oh oh yeah that's a character running yeah, yeah i remember so it's almost like one of those things where an ice like, cream machine other had a, like a toaster he had like it an ice a, cream maker yeah and and it's just a he had an appliance. And so most people <laughs> who buy ice cream makers are just trying to do that cosplay. It's a specific specific model, I guess. Oh, wow. Anyways, so I, it's one of those things where it's, when Cliff Steele, Cliff Steele said, oh, is that a, the guy with the salad spinner for a helmet? Was, in my mind, I was like, I wonder if they actually used a salad spinner to make that helmet. And they just said it because, yeah. again, metaphysical. Metaphysical. Um, but yeah, because... Uh, Crazy Jane wants to find out more information about who the fuck is Doom Patrol um, and and Cliff Steele. Like, what, for us as, as audiences, what was that relationship? And, again, this is it's another depressing reality. Um, did you, what did you feel like you got out of that? Like, the whole Crazy Jane um, learning more about... Um. I don't really think I necessarily learned too much more about Jane. Mm-hmm. It was more of like a here's another really small spoonful of things that, oh, like that are going past. on with yeah, yeah, not even her past, like things that are going on with her in in her mind. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very small spoon feeding and it's like and it's just like here's a taste. And that's it. Here's some symbolism, here's a taste and you sit and wallow with it. Yeah. Um yeah there was a time where i was kind of like thinking like where are they going with this when it started mm-hmm. when when their reality was starting to break down or whatever there mm-hmm. was a moment where i was questioning like where could they go with this what are they going to do specifically talking about jane yeah um but yeah it was just a taste of things that have happened to her or what's going on in her underground yeah they're really they're really slowly building it you know they're really slowly building her origin as opposed to everyone else's like i bet you that will be a finale episode uh like her reality going into the under underground yeah because i mean like the show opened up with like here's jane and she was a big deal 
Mm-hmm. It's like bang, bing, bang, boom. Here's Jane. She's one of the spearheads of this. Yeah. So I would, I could, I'm gonna put money down, Mark. If that's not a series finale, season finale, it'll be a big episode. It'll sure. be a whopper of an episode. Is that licensed? Is yeah, that I trademark. A, I don't. Oh no, because I mean Burger King has a whopper. Then you got Whoppers candy, and then you Those just are... have the term as the adjective. Are they called whoppers? Yeah. Oh, okay. The the malt balls, Wh- whoppers, whoopers, whoppers, <sighs> whoopers. I don't know. Isn't I think whoopers. Whoopers. It's a Pokemon. Yeah. Was it pre-evolved from a Wobbuffet? I no no yes no. I think you're right I think it is. Anyways I um, no the pre-evolved from a Wobbuffet is just tiny Wobbuffet, isn't it? I don't think the Pokemon was called Tiny Wobbuffet. Tiny Wobbuffet. No, Whooper Whomper. Whooper turns into Wobbuffet, who turns into Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, I really felt Crazy Jane. I, I I felt some more emotional moments for her post all the crazy stuff that happens in the episode, like the puzzle thing. I mean, it was visually cool. I mean. Like again, if you're if you're a Page Master fan, you're gonna get your rocks off. If you're into if you, if you're just now getting into Doom Patrol, like there is some crazy stuff that happens uh, with her and and the puzzle the puzzle wave and and all that kind of crazy mind bending stuff. Like yes, that is cool. But as we get towards the end of the episode, it was her conversation with a one Joshua Clay that I thought was this is why. I love this episode kind of thing. It was one of those. Again, it also happens to read afar, but we'll get to it. But um, yeah, Joshua. So to kind of speed things up, uh, using read afar, Crazy Jane wants to learn more about Niles Calder. So she, as Flit, Flick? Flit. 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 F-L-I-T. Flit. F-L-I-T. Flit takes Rita Farr and Larry Trainer to... The Doom Patrol, the real Doom Patrol Manor. Doom Manor. The real one. Not Version th- 1. The 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 Xavier School for yeah. Mutants, basically. Gifted Youngsters. Gifted Youngsters. Um, Gifted Youngsters. This, this, was, this was, you know, when they take her, when they go to this school, this was what I was thinking, like, yeah, this is the X-Men comparison that everyone makes because this is what... Niles Calder is like the Charles Xavier. Like when people make those comparisons, this is why, because they create this. Um, learning the truth of it is what makes it different from X-Men. It's what, it's what makes it the, um, this isn't what you think it is kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly that. Like verbatim, it is said, stated like that. Um, but we get to meet some characters from other Doom Patrol lore um, and a lot of these are actually uh, Paul Kupperberg. And um, Paul Kupperberg, if you guys don't know. We don't mention him much. We don't mention him much. He, Mainly because those issues aren't available as easy. They are available. The only place I've seen them is actually on the DC Universe app. Again, not a plug, but here we are. Um, you can read all of Paul Kupperberg's uh, Doom Patrol Issues 1 through 18 of the 1987 run. You can read them all on the DC Universe app. I've never seen it in print, um, and I don't care to actually go look at it or 
honestly read it. I'm very sorry. But thanks to Paul Kupperberg, uh, we have him to thank for three characters that make it into today's episode. And, you know, this, most importantly, I say most importantly because he he's, makes more of a, more appearances in the later works, but Joshua Clay is a character that we've seen in the Grant Morrison run. Um, this seems more like the Grant Morrison type. Oh, he is like on point to mm-hmm. his character in this. Minus him being right next to Niles Calder, like in yeah, the secret and being a little bit younger, yeah, but in age in. Relation to the yeah, ages. maybe ages. Yeah. yeah, relation to the ages, I think it's... His demeanor, his character, the way that he was written... Mm-hmm. His defeated personality. On point. Yeah. It's on point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Joshua is... Um, he's a metahuman. He's a metahuman that really doesn't like using his powers. Yeah, that's a big thing. Really doesn't like that's it. That's a defining trait of the character. And they drop that in the episode, but it's like all throughout the series where he's he is a, i mean he's an assistant maybe he's a liaison he's in the works with niles he's mm-hmm. uh i didn't want to say assistant and sound demeaning but when you're an assistant no, no, to no. like a scientist that's yeah. a big deal guys don't sleep on igor um so joshua they made a whole movie about him yeah <laughs> joshua clay um, you got any list of powers right there that you can just read off real quick? Yeah, first you of all, fire abilities. First of all, his uh, superhero name alias is Tempest. Mm-hmm. You never hear that outside of that. But it when, was one person that uh, dressed up as Tempest when I used to work at the comic book store. On and like, you said, free comic "Are you book Tempest? Day. Are you um, Joshua Clay from Doom Patrol?" And he it, said, it, "No, it was more like." Um, like, oh, I think that guy's Tempest. And then, like, he went around to everyone, like, I bet you don't know who I am. I'm Tempest. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, one of those, like, I like you from afar. I don't want to have a conversation with you, buddy. Cool costume, though. <laughs> and that's usually how Doom Patrol works. Yeah. Um, Paul Kupperberg, when he created the character, was called Tempest. Um, his name is Joshua Clay. His abilities are kinetic energy blast mm-hmm. and flight. Um it's like energy bolt. He shoots out of his hand. Honestly, his abilities are kind of like Captain Marvel. Um, what's the guy? What's um? It's just fists out, laser beams come out. Alex Summers. Uh, Cyclone. No. Havoc. Havoc. Mm-hmm. Why did I say Cyclone? Who is that? Cyclops is his brother. Yeah. Damn, I don't know why I said that. Cyclone's a water tornado. Water tornado, or is it just like a? It's not a hurricane, but it's a it's water a, spout. Water spouts, I think, what the South calls it. Cyclone is just water, wind and water, right? Hurricanes, rain. It's all wind. Thunderstorms. All natural disasters. Lightning are just like Taco Bell food items. They're all the same ingredients <laughs> in different shapes and sizes. That's a good comparison. Um. But yeah, his, no, they're not though. It's not. <laughs> uh, Joshua Clay, he does have like it, it, it's just his energy powers. You stick, bing, bang, yeah, boom, pop st- out. Stick your fists out. Laser beams are going to come out of them. I've seen fire. Well, yeah, Maybe it's just like, like it's just a blast. It's just energy blast. Yeah. Like it's just 
this is my superhero power. Mm-hmm. And and so if you've seen the Captain Marvel movie, it's like that. Oh yeah. It's, and he's very uh he's very nurturing. He's mm-hmm. very mentor esque, mm-hmm. um, especially in Grant Morrison's run. He he's He's on the side of so if you were to take it where Niles has his secrets and does his thing nefariously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joshua was there to not so much keep him in line, but like be to the team like, hey, I know this dude's fucking wild, but it's it's gonna work. Yeah, <laughs> he was like the voice of reason. Yeah, he's a collective. He's a calm, collected, not collective, animal collective. You know, in Umbrella Cal- in Umbrella Academy, you have Pogo. Yes, yeah. very much kind of mm-hmm. like that. He's like the Joshua Clay of the group. And yeah, the, the Alfred a little bit. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. Um, yeah, jo- Joshua Clay is that. And and you know when you know before this episode, we said Cyborg was a lot like that, and we kind of yeah. Questioned- we, we actually in a past episode we did question wh- when they were going to introduce Joshua if yeah. they were going to introduce him. Yeah, we kind of thought Cyborg was going to take the place mm-hmm. of Joshua and and be that kind of character who was a little bit more known mm-hmm. and talk um, about us we were there's a flaw in us we were only comparing him to him being a younger guy younger kid yeah. not a, not an older dude that's already been through the ringer he's already been through like an iteration of the doom patrol which mm-hmm. is another thing that we talked about is that in our minds before this episode there wasn't a doom patrol this was like the yeah. beginning of them. so he was a kid teenager when they were going around yeah doing their he, he says in the episode that he did have met he does have meta powers he doesn't like to use them mm-hmm. um and and you know it's one of those things where it's like niles calder did form a doom patrol before this 2019 doom patrol this happened during the 60s and it just didn't work out and so what's very cool about this episode is is to learn that this happened and uh, you know, again, if it's the first time you're really learning about Doom Patrol, this might be like a huge, overwhelming thing to be like, "Yo, there's all this that's being pulled out of mm-hmm. out of nowhere." Like, it's like you think you, you know, five episodes in, you've seen all this wacky psychedelic stuff, and it's like now you're learning that you've learned barely anything. Um, and, and this is one of those episodes where it's like, here's a real history and lore, and not just us making stuff up for sake of the episode to be wacky and crazy. Um, but upon getting to this school, this Doom Manor type thing, um, we see Crazy Jane interact with two other characters who are Paul Kupperberg creations. Um, and that is, um, this one is... Celsius? Yes. Celsius, who her real name is Arani Desai. Um, she's got both, what, ice and fire? Or she just got everything? She says, elemental control of fire and ice, mm-hmm. superior martial artist, eternal youth from Dr. Now's immortality serum. That's wrong. Uh, and at one point, she had a black power ring. What? Because at one point... Oh, because she, she died. So, does everyone get that? Because it doesn't say that... In okay. Blackest Night, everybody that was dead was zombie black. Okay, so just Black in Rose. everyone's Wikipedia, at some point, the affiliation of yeah. Black Lantern. I remember seeing that, like at one point, where it was like, uh, like affiliations Black Lantern Corps as well. Like, so many people are doing it just because of Blackest Night. 
Oh. Which, yes, it makes sense. It yes, makes, they, yeah, like, yeah. okay, you, you, yeah, because because that is what the core is is a bunch of dead people, and so like you, you, you space zombies, you got drafted into the skeleton war. I you get say it. You got Drac. You got Dracula. You got Frankenstein. You got Ray Palmer. He was in there. So if you were drafted in the skeleton war, um, let us know. I'm incorrect. Ray Palmer was not a Black Lantern. He was. Uh, he got attacked by Hawkman and then escaped through the telephone or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Who remembers? That? No, he escaped on one of the rings. He went down to like the molecule level onto one of the rings and then showed up and was like, dang, <laughs> <laughs> dang, science is whack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Celsius is another character that shows up. Uh, Celsius is a, a very interesting one because she's, it's a cool name. I've never met her. I've never known of her. I've never read the Paul Kupperberg book, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never... Is she? Is it specific left hand, uh, right hand ice, left hand fire? I think so. Yeah? I'm going to say I she think so. You can't switch them up? That might be bad news bears. Because what if you're... Ooh. What if you don't know what hand is uh, on, and you go to... You're, you're burning some bacon, and you go to put it out, but then it just adds to the fire. The next thing you know, your apartment's gone. Nate, if you are even like ten years old, yeah, with those powers, you would have figured it out by now. You're look who you're talking to, me. Oh yeah, uh-uh. the guy who does the left and right. <laughs> uh, which uh, fire? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be so certain at one point. I'd be like, uh, yeah. What is it? What is it? What is it? Just the extreme. Something is either on fire or you need to you need to melt melt something. I don't know. You just got to do something. Can she do them together? Like just clap her hands and just and it just it's steam. I feel like someone. Steam. Where's that from? It's a song. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't really. I don't. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure where. Like, like I said, this is the first time I'm actually meeting this character, and so this is one of those things where I'm like, oh wow, she's from Paul Kupperberg. Um, it's it's very interesting in the episode because she. You see your powers. We see her powers. They are kind of cool. Um, they're like how I think of X-Men powers, where it's like, okay, cool. You are Iceman. You are Pyro. Cool. You, they did those two characters right, in my opinion. Yeah, but who cares about those type of powers? They're so... It's, it's yeah, like, it's so weird, because when, when you're, like, a when you're in your youth, this is maybe just yeah, me, and like you on, have yeah. like the thoughts of what superpowers do I want? But you eventually hit that door of do you either choose fire or ice powers? Yeah, it's just always those elemental things that like which you one do you choose? The fire dragon or the ice dragon? Yeah, again, like and we had the ride that yeah. we had visual aid to at Universal, yeah. which was fantastic. We actually had to choose. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're gonna get all. You, I don't know. Yeah, I think. I think the key yes, for the ice go line on with was the a kid, lot better. Go on with the anyway. That's like the classic choice of just like what is your what element do you have? Mm-hmm. It's just either fire or ice. Um, yeah. So it's a little black and white, but there's definitely like abilities within that that you don't really think about when you're a child. Yeah, I mean, like, and and like even seeing like X two or X Men when yeah both of them because you get the fire one and x2 when you see those guys use their powers you're like this is awesome 
really ultimately you just want to see Iceman using like a him sliding all throughout the city, you know, shooting ice and making just like a Frozone. Yeah, doing that. Yeah. I totally forgot Frozone did that in that movie and that's uh, the more I think awesome. about it and this is probably obvious and I never put two and two together, but Incredibles is There's yeah, they're their own superhero. Well, yeah, that thing. I mean, we're, when we were comparing X-Men and stuff like that, you could also use The Incredibles as a comparison to Doom Patrol because it is more based on that kind of like that tone of of superheroes. Um the way we see Mento and um, Celsius and uh, Ray Jones in what is Ray Jones' actual superhero name? Does she have one? Um. See now, with Ray, Lo- I just Lodestone. I don't. Know, I never even heard of that before. Lone Stone. Load Stone. L- load. L O D E. Load. S T O N E. Load A. No. Odalay. Odalay Stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! I only remember. I only remember from the the beginning of Volume Two, and uh, I think all I remember is that she was in a coma. Yes, yeah. Ray Jones. Um, Raya. Ray. Raya. Like Raya but- Butcher. I, I know it's Raya. I keep mispronouncing it. I've always said for some reason I say Ray. Ray. But it's Raya. Like Ray Fines. I. Yeah. And I have the same problem with the name Zoe, with the Zoe yeah. umlaut in it, or just Zoe in general, without uh, just Zoe without a Y. Yeah, and it's so it's like Zoe, Zoe yeah. Rhea Jones. Um, she's again another very familiar one, but with Celsius, it was like in the show she has. What's more interesting than her powers, other than like, okay, cool, you control you you can control both ice and fire. Really cool job. You're like that in My Hero Academia character. But it's more so like she has this infatuation, this obsession with Niles Calder. It's incredible. And to me, that was more important. Again, as we get into this more kind of like depressing side of it, the truth of it all, Mm -hmm. like the entropy. This is Arani? Arani. We didn't get that much of Rhea in this episode. Not at all. And I think we'll get to it, and I think and I know why, but uh, just all the all the drawings of Niles Calder mm-hmm. in in the in uh, Desai, Arani, Arani. I almost said Dasani, Dasani. Arani. I went Desai. to say Desai, and then I would say Arani, and I was called Dasani. Um, we see all these like her obsession with Niles Calder. She draws Niles Calder constantly, uh, waiting for him to come home and stuff. Um. Yeah, that to me was like, whoa, that's way more important than the fact she controls both ice and fire. I think when they create characters, superheroes, those type of X-Men things where they go, yeah, he just controls fire. Yeah, he just controls ice. Those are boring character creations. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, like things like Magneto where it was like, oh, your ability to control metal is inferior to the origin of what you like, why you got those powers and like, yeah, it's, well, it's, 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 it's the, the debate of power versus potential. I like that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and not all the potential there. Yeah. Well, not all the time it it works out Mm -hmm. and especially that usually leads to a villain. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, Ray Jones is the, 
one, two, three, fourth member that we're going to talk about. Another Paul Kupperberg creation. I didn't know this. Um, Ray Jones, Raya Jones shows up in volume two of Grant Morrison. As during, something completely different. As some, yeah, this is one of those um, uh, Grant Morrison redesigns that, mm-hmm. you know, help save the Doom Patrol. Like a Revis thing. Yeah. Again, it was one of those things where he was like, I'm going to take this character and I'm going to make them great. And um, Rhea Jones and, and Paul Kupperberg, she's called Lodestone. She looks like an 80s super, uh, superhero. Um, she her, looks like Rogue. She looks like Rogue, yeah. Again, this is a, you know, I don't know if they were really just like, hey, Kupperberg, we want you to just really challenge the X-Men. And then maybe Grant Morrison was like, hey, don't challenge the X-Men. Maybe just do your own thing. Maybe I'll just do my own thing. And they said, hey, this is actually working. Um, but it seemed like early 80s Doom Patrol was like, hey, the X-Men is really hot and popular. Let's just copy and paste like mm-hmm. the Marvel DC franchises always do. Um, and so that's what Lodestone was, was just this girl who had electromagnetic abilities, flight, and force fields. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, is that an X-Men character popping in your head? Where they do electromagnetic abilities? Electromagnetic and yeah. not just magnetic? I guess she can control metal because of it. Because of it? Yeah. So just a diet magneto. It's like magneto meets... Um, magneto mis- does force fields. That's true. It's just true. I had that Heroclix figure. Yeah. He did, he did it in Apocalypse too. Yeah, but it, yeah, he did. It was a force field. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, maybe he sh- it, was she Diet Magneto at the time. It's very different in uh, Grant Morrison's run because Rhea Jones, um, what is it? Is it like the Dominator War or something? She's like a like oh, I don't even know. Okay, how here we it's go. Like a, it's like a celestial. At the start, I don't even know if it's celestial. Of, yeah, I have this little blurb right here. At the start of Grant Morrison's surrealistic run of Doom Patrol, Rhea was put into a coma that would last until halfway into the series. While in the hospital, she was kidnapped by the butterfly collector. You remember this guy? I love this one. Jack. I want to. Yep, I want to see this one for real. The butterfly collector, known as Red Jack, um, had kidnapped her, who claimed to be God, Jack the Ripper, and many others. Um, he sought to make Rhea his bride. The new Doom Patrol followed Jack into his house, which our world is a room in. Um, and as he battled the Doom Patrol, Rhea awoke from her coma and stabbed Jack in the back. And then immediately became comatose again. Um, and then, oh, this is it. So, you know, after time passes and in volume two, we get into the orthodoxy and geomancer war. This is the one in volume two, which if you're reading this story, is a complete bunch of psychedelic malarkey uh, until it like basically just fizzles out into being, hey, uh, how about you guys just communicate with each other? It was a very weird story, but I absolutely loved it. Um, but Rhea becomes a very pivotal item. She becomes like the MacGuffin in their war. Um, they call her like the Poopa. And um, you've probably heard me talk about it on, on the past episodes, but it was a very... The, she, they call her the like Pupa as in referring to the butterfly? Like, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is it Pupa? Pupa. 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 I don't know these things. I don't know bugs. What is that? <laughs> etymology? Etymology? Yeah. 
I don't know these things. Um, but yeah, the, the Orthodoxy Geomancer War was a crazy part of uh, Doom Patrol Volume 2. So if you haven't gotten to that part, boy, you're in for a treat. No, I only. I feel like I've only read... Um, I was talking to listeners, but oh. yeah, you too. Yeah, I never, I never finished Volume 2. Read it. I didn't finish it either, but... Um, I, I definitely read that that whole arc, and um, I'm at, I'm at the part after that. I, I'm starting that part right now, um, but um, I've got other Doom Patrol stuff to talk about, so I've just been behind Nate. <laughs> I I feel you, man. You're t- preaching to the behind king. I'm like listening. Oh, that's to- a good name. I didn't even think about the other uses of it. These cats are. I know. I was listening to you, and then I'm listening to my cat. Is that when you said that they were keeping you up that one night? They do things like that, just scratching doors. No, the cats like they meow in like a corner of a room by themselves, and so you think they're talking to someone. That's. I had a girlfriend that had a cat that would do that, but um, it was in the like uh, top corner of a room Mm -hmm. where a light was shining up into. I'm getting goosebumps like thinking about it. Freaks it freaks you out. It was it? Frankie, yeah, and he would just go up to the corner all the time and just like stare up into the corner and meow, meow, like he wanted to go outside. Mm-hmm. Freaked me the yeah. fuck out, man. I'm so glad Cal doesn't. Not yet. I, well, yeah, maybe not yet, but. Um, and I, Mark, I don't believe in ghosts, but things like that just are uneasy for me. I'm afraid of the unknown, so things that I can't see. By definition, I guess that could be ghosts. Let's talk about something that's not spiritual. Okay. Let's talk about science. I'm all for it. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot to talk about with what's going on with Rita Farr and the real past Doom Patrol. But back at the actual, now it's called her house, the Doom Manor that's happening over in, in what we knew as Doom Manor, mm-hmm. um, there is Cyborg. Um, and Robot Man. Cyborg, Robot Man, and Silas Stone. They have their subplot going on. Boys Night Out. Boys Night In. Yeah, that's it. Um, Cliff Steele is in a minimal spotlight this time around. And I think it's for the better. Because I think normally people tend to think Cliff Steele is the the main one of the group. If someone had to say, like, oh, who's mm-hmm. you know what characters you know from Doom Patrol, it's usually... Robot Man, yeah, Cliff Steele, um, and and this is where we need to to be like, hey, no, 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 everyone is a very important character. In everybody's this. equal. Yeah, everybody's equal, and so we're even going to make Crazy Jane more important in this story, but that doesn't include Cliff Steele. We're going to take you guys away for a second. It's not always the Cliff Steele. Crazy they still Jane. have their struggle that's going on, and they they do make a point to mention it. Cliff's dude, again at the sandwich game. Yeah. But it's the same response. Getting better. It's a sandwich game. Mark, I just thought about something. Staring at me weird. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over without... And expecting expecting the same results. The same result. So, he's doing literally doing that with the sandwich. Mm Mm-hmm. Doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, they're all insane. We're all insane. Yeah, and then there's my argument where who's who's who who can judge that? Nobody has the right nor can properly judge if someone is insane or not. In mm-hmm. my opinion, I don't think so. But the only decision you can make is whether to waste your time on that, or which not. is something that he's doing. But in his cr- opinion, it's not a waste of time. 
It's the only thing he has. I mean, they got a lot he of- was he did have a motive behind it, mm-hmm. but I think that he. I don't think this is just the second or third time that he's done the sandwich bit. Yeah, no, no. He keeps trying to do it. Keeps trying to talk to Crazy Jane. Um, he's used it to try to talk to any of the personalities. Um, it just because of something that happened at Fugtopia. Um, which we haven't really gotten to yet, but it is building up to that eventual, eventual, um, underground truth of crazy Jane origin. You know, once we get to that, that's going to be that kind of the pieces fall into place with Cliff Steele and crazy Jane, the puzzle pieces, if you will. Ooh, I like that one, but yes, this is, this is healthy for the show to just be like, Hey, the Cliff Steele Crazy Jane show is on on pause. We're going to separate you guys. Cliff Steele's going to do his own thing, which is going to be beneficial to his character development. Crazy Jane's going to do her thing that's beneficial to her character development. And they're not going to be doing the Cliff Steele Crazy Jane no show. No why is a crossing. Exactly. Streams are crossing. Ghostbusters reference. Mm, and pee pee. People say that when you're peeing. There's a uh, there's a movie I'm thinking about where they do that, but um, um, Step Brothers. No, they do the sword fight bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is a this is it is healthy that he's got a minimal role role in this episode, but it's it's character defining because he does this whole father thing. Like mm-hmm. there's a there's a father son situation happening between him silas stone and cyborg cyborg who looks phenomenal oh yeah i gotta say incredible like kudos to the team for the way that they've been handling the way cyborg looks because the dude looks amazing in the suit i know a lot of got the one full metal arm you got the one half the the chest plate yeah uh, we've talked about it before but because this is like a cyborg who's not like mother box cyborg it is prosthetic, so it all makes Hardware. sense. Hardware. But it all looks very good. And the it, spine? Yes. Man. It all looks really, really good. And um, I, I'm i just... I think we were all skeptical because we had all seen Ray Fisher Cyborg, who I absolutely love Ray Fisher. I will die for this man. Yeah. I love Ray Fisher so much. And I love Cyborg. I love his Cyborg as well. But... This is a different cyborg, and I also love this cyborg. He looks great. The dude looks huge. Like, the dude is a work of art. Um, and I think it's really cool where they're having the, the conversation of... Um, <clears throat> so Silas is there to try to help repair Cyborg after the, the self-destruct mm-hmm. fiasco that happened and, and, the, and the distress beacon that was activated. Um, but it's really cool seeing this, like, robotics mm-hmm. doctor... Faced with the new and the old. Yes. And they do have a conversation where Silas says, you know, and when he's talking to Cliff Steele, he's like, you know, he, I did offer my help to, to Niles, but he didn't take any of my suggestions. So I went and, and essentially it's like, yeah, so I went and built my own robot kid, which is really cool to think about because here you have a ro- robot man who has been... You have Niles Calder's robot, Niles Calder's robot man, and who's, Silas Stone's he, yeah, robot. Who's he, he's been be, he's been building him since the '80s, 
mm-hmm. where the idea has probably been the in seven his head years. since even that the idea of a robot man has probably been in his head since the 60s or 70s the 60s, where yeah. it was that crude robot like how he looks so in the 60s we saw a robot, a robot with a brain yeah which is awesome so it's cool to see uh, this robotics doctor dr silas like looking at the apex and looking at like almost like a roots kind of thing it's like this is where you came from it's i i thought it was just really cool him having a conversation with robot man and he wasn't talking to him like he was a machine he was talking to him like he was a man mm-hmm. which is great it just i i, I thought it, that dynamic was just awesome yeah there was the father son aspect of it mm-hmm. father with biological but also father because he's an older robot or whatever mm-hmm. um it was just a di- two different takes on quote-unquote parenting i guess <laughs> parenting a robot yeah, and it's a little fucked up because at one point Silas Stone says that Robot Man would have been better mm-hmm. than Cyborg. And I think that's it's fucked up because um, Silas Stone, I think, sees the human part of Victor to be the the fallback. the Not the fallback, but the... Oh my God, I didn't even think because about like, that. Because he was like, oh, What's you, hindering him is, is the, the human. human. Like, oh my God, it's like, Mark. Because like... Cliff Steele is just what an asshole Silas Stone is. They're just, all assholes. It's just a brain, right? Cliff Steele is just a brain, and so like you can build this whole prosthetic. Like you could, like this prosthetics that Cyborg is, is like I could have built like a whole grid with just, just a with just a human brain, yeah. but I can't because there's still my son there, and so I can't just chop him away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to save him and build onto and, him and build onto him. So it's like. You are limited by that. Is, was that me or is that? That you? was the chair. Oh, um, and and so like, like yeah, Victor Stone, his phys- his biological parts are hindering the rest of the transformation that would be a great cyborg, um, and that's the fucked up part of it. That's that's why he said he would have been better because he would have had the whole robot man to design. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's wild. But you know, this was something that we were thinking about. I don't know if we talked about it, but it was something I was thinking about when when they introduced Cyborg was going to be part of Doom Patrol because out of all the Titans, uh, you know, it would have been Beast Boy who's part of Doom Patrol, not Cyborg. Why have Cyborg in the show? There's already a robot man. So what? is Silas supposed to be like the Maxwell Lord character in this? Maxwell Lord liaison to Justice League. Silas Stone not really liaison, but he works with the justice league or at least is in that somewhat of a circle it's really weird i don't maybe he's another scientist he had opinions about robot man maxwell lord did contribute to robot man did maxwell lord did he contribute yeah yeah um i think that i think as the writers as they talked it out more it made more sense that silas stone would be involved well yeah with the addition of cyborg yeah yeah well I, uh, not just because it's his father, but I'm thinking as well, like, okay, if we do have a Maxwell Lord type character, can it just be Silas Stone? And he's also like parenting of Cyborg, but he's going to be somewhat affiliated through just Justice League. I don't know if this scene, this chapter with Silas, Victor, and Cliff is the, the defining moment that where they were like, yeah, we should include them now. We should include them in this in this version, 
But to me, it would seem like this would be the epiphany where they go, yeah, this makes total sense that they would, that he would be here. Like, of course, you know, like, uh, Niles Calder is always up to fucking weird secrets. So why wouldn't Silas Stone know? And, you know, why wouldn't he help in, in these? Cyborg is this character who's depressed about the powers he has. It's the exact same scenario that um, the Doom Patrol have all the time. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, they suffer through the same things. And nobody wants to acknowledge that. And so this is one of those things where they go, oh, it would make total sense that Cyborg would be part of this this fiasco called the Doom Patrol because that's his fate in reality. And um, it so closely resembles that. So why not put him in there? It just makes sense. So I think that was something that they stumbled upon. And, and that's why he's here is because they realize that um, he fits it so well. Um, but yeah, I... You know, it was another Star Trek reference that I kind of, uh, or comparison that I saw almost immediately with seeing, um, I need to look up his name because I am tired of missing it. Oh, Jovian Wade. Um, I've been, I've been thinking like, as I watch it and Jovian Wade kind of reminds me of Geordi LaForge in a sense. Um, he was doing like some techno babble earlier uh, when he was explaining it, but I was like, "You, you remind me of you know young Jordy LaForge a little bit." And so I was like, "I kind of, I, I like that. I like seeing that." It was almost really nice to kind of get that kind of reference from Star Trek. But um, it looks great. It looks great in that suit. And then um, there's this thing where his arm has been healing. Mm-hmm. Um, from the injury that he sustained in the last episode. And it's almost like a sense of discovery or like, um, like in terms of science, it's like you stumble upon something. It's almost like, a, Hey, this is something that we didn't plan for. Is that what happens to his, his lesion? The, the scar was healing. And yeah, I, but it was healing with metal. Yeah. And was that because of the white stuff that he put in it? Are they like nanotechnology or something? Oh I don't, my gosh, I'm feeling my arm and I have like a bruise up here. <laughs> I think it's weird because I, I didn't expect that. I, it, from what I got out of it, and I, and I could be honestly dead wrong about it, but it, to me it was uh, cybernetics were taking over. The grid was healing him. Wasn't taking over. But it was... He- it was it I know, was... He, and that's I think that to me is the foreshadow. Is yeah. That, you know, grid has always been like this thing. It's like, oh, you know, when we heard the name grid, you and I were like, holy shit, they said grid. That's a threat. That's a <laughs> that's a red flag. Yeah. And so, for most people who don't know, grid is a red flag, um, because of um, uh, the Trinity War, the Trinity War and Forever Evil. Which, by the way, um, in the history of Joshua Clay and um, Celsius, I think they're killed off by. Are they in Trinity? They're in they're in Forever Evil where uh, Joshua Clay is killed off by Johnny Quick and Atomica, and so he actually had like a little cameo in that. I don't remember that. It was like um, where were they? I remember where they where they killed people, but it, they had to have been in like a a science lab or something. Yeah, it says right because Atomica was um at the atom, lady the atom, in disguise. Mm-hmm. Not really in disguise. She was just given a false name and stuff like that. Here it is where it says, In the New 52 reboot, Tempest first appears in Justice League Volume 2, 
issue 24, along with Negative Woman and Celsius being watched by the, by Grid. Um, then he was mentioned in conversation by Scorch and Karma. And then he was presumably killed off by Johnny Quick and Atomica. But in like 10 issues later, Lex Luthor says to the chief that, oh, they faked their deaths um, just to escape from from him and the Doom Patrol. Mm. Just random new 52 garbage. <laughs> um, it all gets re- retconned anyway. That's really cool. I, don't, I, I honestly don't remember yeah. that happening. But Grid is a, grid is a red flag mm. uh, for those who don't know. Um, and so with Cyborg healing from this injury, to me, is foreshadowing, hey, it's a problem that your cybernetics is... Mm-hmm. is you're taking, it's is taking, taking over. over. Yeah, it's, you're going to lose yourself. It's going to say, hey, not M&M. all this biological mass is an issue. Let me just replace it. Yeah. And so we'll get into that. It's going to be kind of weird, but that eventual battle between Cyborg and Grid, can't wait. <laughs> That's what I want a cyborg film to be about. Just them staring each other down in the rain. Because it's a physical, it's a philosophical battle. That it's which, a technological battle. Yeah, well, philosophical in the sense of human versus machines, man versus machine. Okay, and, you know that's that's what I love about cyborg. That's why I want to see a film from him. And are you are you, are you a fan of the human error? Do you feel it's necessary? In this is a deep question yeah buddy. hold on Nate. <laughs> i don't know if i can answer this yeah you gotta think about it i don't know i just think machines are gonna be uh, machines are our evolution they are our children are they the top potential you know like as we have kids yeah and, they, your kid your child is supposed to be better than it's than better you. than you yeah. because that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. biologically is make your better offspring and so machines are that where we continue to make things that are better than us and so when we go away whether it be as a parent or as a species Mm -hmm. when we go away we will be replaced by our successors which are the machines they did that in that one show in that one show they did that in the orville this season oh yeah did you not get to that part i'm not there yet dang (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like it is one of those things that would be like, okay, that is better. And then people go like, oh, no, what's life without the beauty of human error? And I'd be like, the human error is an error. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, we are flawed. We come from uh, warm soup. So in a battle between Grid and Cyborg, who are you rooting for? You're rooting for Cyborg because <sighs> that's the triumph? Cy- I'm rooting for Cyborg because that's what they want you to do. But in reality, you're like, yo, Grid's just going to win that, you know? Like, why is Grid a bad guy? Maybe he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's doing the right thing. I'm just saying, if we just convert all ourselves to data... You're one of those Cortana jockeys. Oh, I think... that Again, they made Cortana a villain, quote-unquote, in the Halo franchise... I think she was the answer. She, and they're going to like she was doing the right thing. When this next Halo game comes out, they're going to be like, "Hey, we defeated Cortana. We can be humans still now." And it's like, "You ruined lame. everything. Yeah. <laughs> you absolutely ruined everything." She had the answer. We had peace throughout the universe. But you don't like machines ruling things. I hate it. I, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with machines. You guys just don't want to admit you're wrong. Um, this has been my talk. Thank you for asking that question, Nate. And You're welcome. Me on the spot. It's good. I like it. Um, so let's, uh, it's a very good Cliff Seal cyborg episode or 
not episode, but chapter. It's mm-hmm. very, like I said in this ep- like the beginning of this episode, this entire episode is just character development, and it's why I love this episode so much. Um, so definitely check it out. Um, but going There's, what? Oh, what were you gonna say? I was gonna segue back to the okay, the Doom Patrol of of yesterday. Got it. And, and that part of the episode. Got it. Because um, we got some things to talk about in this basement that they have. Um, um, we we go through some Arnold Drake classics because of Mento. We even had a, a cameo from a Arnold Drake villain earlier in the episode. Do you remember that? The Animal Vegetable Mineral Man? Remember that yeah. Animal Vegetable Mineral Man? Which is Man? great. <laughs> they made fun of that guy so much. Which I mean, and they do something that, that answered questions for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had my buddy, was uh, when, when they first showed up, he was just like, you know, I was actually thinking that Raptor Head was just going to chomp him. And then he had, he had the idea, he was like, oh, but he understood that they're one, so why would I kill it? Because, you know, then I would kill me. I was like, that's very smart of you, man. That's really cool. I didn't pick up on that, but you're totally right. I guess they answered that question for everybody that thought that too, because Animal Vegetable Mineral Man, the dinosaur head chomps on the regular. <laughs> yeah. It's just something like everyone wanted to see. He goes, so what would that look like? Yeah, because like, I think oh, that, everyone that who happens. looks, everyone who looks at AVM man, even in the comic books and they go, that guy has a dinosaur head. Mm-hmm. Does the dinosaur head ever want to eat the yeah. regular head? <laughs> yeah. And so even in the comic books, we would have always been thinking about that. Um, but no, like there's something, they do such witty writing with the news. Um, whether they were talking about like the town, the robot man, you know, like th- there's so many like tongue in cheek jokes being written in, yeah. the, in the very first episode. Um, but then with this one, it was like, <laughs> it was like AVM man was charged with like, uh, robbery mm-hmm. and his dinosaur was charged with like abiding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. It was just like, it's just well written. Um, but I love seeing a snippet of AVM Man. I'm hoping to see more of yeah. him and try to be a villain. Um, but it was it was good stuff. I really enjoyed it. But uh, we got to talk about something more incredible in the Arnold Drake Doom Patrol, which is Mento showing Rita Far like um, as they continue to talk about like their past and their His relationship. Trophy room, the trophy room, and as soon as it was showing this trophy room, I thought there's probably a brain. The brain reference. Did you really? I didn't. I thought think maybe that. there would be, mm-hmm. but I looked away, and then you flipped out. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you flipped out so hard, I went, "Oh my god, no way!" Um, we have confirmation that the brain exists mm-hmm. in this show and this universe, and he got away. And he got away. We saw the case. He had the skull etched in it, like mm-hmm. the skull face was kind of etched in it. It looked very classic. Doom Patrol, it the looked, brain. It, yeah, it looked like the and brain. And I want to see this character so bad. So I'm so like there was the brain. There was it was the the bulb on top was cracked, mm-hmm. uh, thus telling you that the brain was taken out, mm-hmm. probably transferred to something else. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, now, I think it was directly adjacent to where that was. There was a big rectangle rec- rectangular glass case mm-hmm. that had some weapons in it, and it had like an M60. I want to say like mm-hmm. a like a tripod mounted M60. You think that's Mala's gun? I was trying to look for a beret that would hopefully be like right next to the brain's case. I was looking case. for that. I was like looking for something that would like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. where, where's Monsieur Mala's but, hat? Or it, but do you think it was just the machine gun that was in the case right there? 
Because, I mean, there's a lot of other characters. I mean, what about General Immortus? He has, like, weapons. There was... The, what was the... the so it was, like, a Templar helmet or something. It was a Templar helmet, but then right uh, hanging, there was, like, some, like, armor with, like, a helmet and, like, goggles. And I don't know if that was, like, a General Immortus costume at one point or not. Um, there was also, like, a purple and white uh, dress-like costume, again, hanging. I'm just shouting names out. I don't... Because I don't remember. There was, what, Rouge? Madame Rouge. Madame Rouge. I don't know if what her costume was looking like, but I'm trying to think of like 1960s villains. She was like a Doom very. Patrol. She was like 60s clean cut femme fatale. Like she was like of the 60s. Like what a cat burglar femme fatale agent spy thing looked like. So I just opened it to a random page in the Arnold uh, run, and it's the green faced people, like the Gerard Way aliens mm-hmm. things. That was really cool. The conspiracies and stuff. Anyway. I'm just flipping through. I'm looking at things. You gotta speak into the mic, my I'm man. looking at things. I'm flipping through. Um, Maybe that's her. General Mortis I think is really I, just I think like I in see a, Madame yeah, Rouge's that's, that's outfit. His, that's his costume. Do you see her outfit? I think I saw it. General Mortis is really just like he's he's got the 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 flat the the, the like the dress down next to the blue. brains. You know, case there uh, was like a black outfit a very slim black outfit with like a little white in the center oh it was that was and i and i think that was madame rouge's outfit i don't know why they would have her outfit maybe she died but and they stole it or she's or Uh, she's naked she's out there and she looks like someone else now um but yeah the brain just having confirmation is cool i want to see the brain so much like that just that that's Stupid voice is so great to me. I love it. I love hearing like its stupid plans. Uh, Monsieur Mala would be a great character. I just want to see these things. Um, the the brain and uh, that you get in Teen Titans season five uh, premiere. Um, definitely check that one out because that has my favorite version of the brain. It also has Mento in it. If you want to hate Mento some more. Um, but this is where we get into the uh, the sadder reality of this episode is when um, basically Mento has been forcing his psionic abilities to kind of create uh, a ruse. Yeah, so it's all been a big holodeck fiasco over here at the at the doom patrol manor of the past um and so what had happened was that the original doom patrol did face mr nobody and mr nobody did the same thing that he did to um the doom patrol of this era which is show them all their fears and really get into their brain and really psych them out and they couldn't handle it and so they basically gets stuck here under the supervision of Joshua Clay. And it's almost like a hospice, you know? Yeah. It's not like a rehab. They're not going to get better. They're just here suffering until they don't suffer anymore. That's sad, man. Yeah. And it's House Calder doesn't visit. They're stuck here to die. And I'm not sure if, Crazy Jane was going to be sent here to eventually wait out her doom as well. But I'm getting that impression that that's why she was going to be sent here. Was that eventually Nell's Caller could not help her 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like, uh, here, you're going to have to stay here. But what makes her different than any of the other ones? Like, I think it's how because... Much, how much progress progression has he gotten with Rita? How much progression has he gotten with Larry? Robot Man's new. You know, why Why does Jane feel like she's next? I feel like this is, like, thinking, like, um, what she's seeing is, like, this is what... This is just what the chief does. Mm-hmm. He just He just leaves he gives up yeah she brought up the the fact that it was like he just leaves them here like they're broken toys and mm-hmm. and and that metaphor or simile is is a lot like it like i would like to use to describe doom patrol why i do like them because they they do seem like broken toys like mm-hmm. they they are these broken people they just happen to have meta abilities but the meta abilities are the things that are making them broken and that's what I love about it so much is that, like, I just, I weep for them. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so saddened by their reality that they have to suffer through. And. Like the skateboard astronaut from Toy Story. Like Sid made, like, all, like, the, the weird toys. Oh, yeah. And there was that guy that was, like, glued to the top of a skateboard. Oh, I yeah. I think he was an astronaut. Yeah, you're right. They were broken. Maybe toys. he wasn't an astronaut because Buzz Lightyear was like the astronaut toy. Maybe he was just like a stunt man or some guy with a helmet. He had a helmet. Maybe he was a motorcycle guy. Doesn't matter. Um, I completely derailed you from what no, you were no, saying. No, 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 no. Um, but th- what you know, this episode, like, it is this moment with with Rita Farr and and Crazy Jane realizing what this place is. That is the reality of it, and that's what I love so much about it. Um, I don't know what was in store for Crazy Jane, like in the timeline, whether Niles was just going to dump her off here too, or if he had plans of her joining the team, but the original Doom Patrol could not defeat Mr. Nobody, and they all paid the price for it and suffered, um, and so Joshua Clay has to look over them, and Mento has been, um, helping them cope, um, by just creating this fictional reality. Uh, where they live happily, but um, there's this moment that really struck a chord with me at the end of the episode, which is kind of like a nod to, it reminds me of Watchmen, the photograph in the 60s versus the photograph in, you know, like the times they are changing kind of Mm -hmm. thing that happens with Watchmen. Where it starts off very grandiose, like these are these are crime oh, yeah. fighters, yeah. And then it's like I, you do get that. Here's Mothman going to re, uh, like mental clinic, mm-hmm. you know, and um, characters dying off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Silk Spectre becoming an alcoholic. Yes, it was. Carlo Gugino, I love you, babe. I was a hero, god damn it. Mm. And so, like, it was it was that moment in the episode that, like, really I wanted to just like cry. And not just cry because I was sad, but cry because of joy that it was capturing what I love so much about Doom Patrol. And what I encourage people to find in Doom Patrol as they continue to read it or watch it is to just have empathy for these type of characters that suffer through this. Um, Is the fact that they were like, hey, we haven't taken a photo in a bit. And in reality, they're not taking photos. They got to take their medication Mm -hmm. because they're fucked up and they got to live the rest of their life like this. It's not... It's not rehab. It's a hospice for superheroes. It's so fucked up. It's sad. Like, it just bothers me. It does bother me, and I don't know how to properly put it into words. 
Um, but like that idea of you feeding like these like fake visions and like fake memories and mm-hmm. fake feelings into someone that has like an illness like this, someone that was, that did have glory days. Mm-hmm. And like, now you're just like feeding them the fake reminiscing of it. It's, it's upsetting. It makes me uncomfortable because you do think about like Watchmen and all these things where, <clears throat> where these heroes get old and mm-hmm. they're irrelevant anymore. It's kind of like the same feeling where there's, there's a tweet going around where it's like, man, I don't want my mom to die. That's true. It's <laughs> like these things. Where it's like, I don't want my heroes to die. I don't want my heroes to not be heroes anymore. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Even when you get to stories where it's like Superman and Batman, what are they like in their old age? They're still being Superman and Batman. Because the mass audience doesn't want them to stop being that. Yeah. But like, imagine if it was Batman that was just rocking back and forth in a wheelchair in a padded room, just like thinking that he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop. It's disturbing. It's, it's hard. And I think it's like one of these, these uh, things that you just go into your subconscious where it's like you, you don't want to see your heroes fail or like succumb to fault. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this is essentially the reality for everything. This is the entropy of it, of it all. It all tends to come back towards you, you know, and that's the whole point of comic books is that, you know, you you get these escapist stories and they take you somewhere else, but it it either derails you from the truth, um, like it, it makes you ignore the truth, or it either gives you the truth in a way that you start to think about, you know, makes you question if you can do something about it mm-hmm. and what do you do about it. Do you do something pathological? which is um, something like Mento is doing. Like, here, here's here's the Soma. Here's mm-hmm. here's the beauty. Here's uh, the, the dream that makes you feel better until your time is up and then you go away. Um, who knows? Maybe that thing that we were talking about the other day where it's like your uh, perception is your reality and maybe, like, as you go away, like, in your heaven, this was what you dreamed. Mm-hmm. Like, your heaven is just you living in the golden age of things. Um or do you do things that are ethically right and just be like, no, here is the truth. The truth is is that you guys suffered a, a major blow in the 60s. You lost. Yeah, yeah and, and you lost the and fight. And you guys are, you guys are, have to take your medication now and you guys will be here like this for the rest of your lives. Mm-hmm. Do you break that news to them and, and tell them to deal with it? Um, you know, like an actual hospice would and be like, hey, you only have a little bit left to live. Um you know, there's so many ways you can go about it, but it, again, it is one of those things where it's like, does the does the reader continue to just want the escapism and lie to themselves about the reality of their lives? Um, you know, like we do that even without comic books. We also do that with like our sports teams and um, just books and our religions and, and, you know, we, we try to find things that, that give us joy. And if those things aren't joyous, then we start to get mad at it because it's our tether in life. It's our thing that makes us, you know, like, um, someone was saying the other day, like there was a low point in their life. And at the time it was like a a sports team was the only shining light Mm -hmm. that they had until they went, what the hell? This is the rest of my life. Like it's a slippery slope when you go, Hey, I want to devote my my passion to cheering on this sports team, and and you know, like on a day to day basis, 
when you're not clocked in nine to five and just working in a cubicle. And the only thing that defines whether you're having a good day or not is how good your sports team is doing. It's one of those things where it's like, why is my life dependent on this? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with your superhero comic books is where you go, man, why is my life so dependent on whether Batman is still fighting crime in his old age? It's like, dude, the dude's probably in an asylum by now. <laughs> like he's probably like unfit to, to even be a playboy billionaire and like with that mask on and, and do some good in the world. You know, people like Wonder Woman, if they're such a warrior, maybe they wouldn't live so long. Maybe Wonder Woman would die in battle because that's what Wonder Woman does. Aquaman has politics of a whole seven sea kingdom to rule. Like he's not going to be Aquaman the superhero. He's going to be Aquaman the politician emperor. King of the seas. Yeah, like he's got politics to do and he's got so many things tied to him. Superman is so powerful that that's how we get these Grant Morrison all-star Superman things and Superman for tomorrow and, you know, those type of Superman stories where it's like the reality of Superman is not joyous. You have kingdom come Superman. Mm-hmm. You've, you know, you've got a Superman who's got to, to it's going to outlive all, all of us. You know, I'm you know, that's just something that Wonder Woman and, and Superman would have to deal with is the fact that they, don't age as quickly and they would outlive Batman in a heartbeat. Like he's like to them, Batman should be just a character that comes and goes in their life because they're going to keep going on. It's stuff like that. That's like, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. It's how small you really are and how insignificant your life might be towards the end of it. And it's those things in doom patrol that they talk about. And it's, it's the foundation of it. It doesn't try to hide away from it. It tries to embrace it. And, like, literally throw it at the reader. Like, this is you probably. Like, as of right now, you might be Crazy Jane. You might be someone who suffered through sexual abuse, trauma. You might be, like, someone who's, like, Rita Farr, who's like, I I am a huge piece of shit. Mm -hmm. I've done terrible things in my life. And I know somehow karma may not be a real thing, but I, I feel like I'm suffering because of the decisions I made, and I accept it whether or not karma is real. Like I, I should be accepting of any punishment that comes my way. Um, I think negative man is a little bit similar where it's like, I am, you're fighting your own, you're fighting within yourself. You're fighting with the battle is yeah. you you're fighting yourself, whether or not an alien has possessed me or not. I've always been at mm-hmm. a constant fight with myself, my inner self, my, my indecisiveness of like what I choose to do in my life. Like, and, and, it's, it's one of those things that mm-hmm. that never ending battle with your internal uh with that little voice in your head i do want to mention one thing before we wrap up yeah so one of the last scenes is a is a bit about cyborg mm-hmm. it's a bit of it's we get again we get some some metal men going on in the bit it's not the last scene but it's one of the last scenes so cyborg mm-hmm. apparently took something from silas before he left and it was like some sort of thumb drive or whatever I really like that Cyborg has to use like a Bluetooth keyboard. He's not, it's, he plugged it into a keyboard and the keyboard's just sitting on his lap and he's typing. He's not looking at a screen. The screen's in his eyes. So it's not like he's just holding his hands up and typing into the air with like the on, you know, heads up display keyboard, Mm -hmm. physical keyboard, typing it that's wireless and it's showing up in his eyes. Yeah. I just love that. I love that they were like, oh yeah, he's got to have a, he's got to have a keyboard. 
Yeah. It's not like, I mean, normally he would just plug it into himself and like do it on his own. Like, why can't you just like rest your head on your hand and just think it and let it go? What? Like, why can't you just type in your head? I know, right? Like, why couldn't, why doesn't, yeah, why aren't you just thinking about hitting the keys and stuff? Like, you plug the thumb drive into yourself, but this isn't computer cyborg, this is prosthetic cyborg. I guess because so. you have so many racing thoughts, like, you're, you can't control what you're typing. Maybe not. So, like, I I'd be know. typing, like, I need to go to the store today. I just thought it was cool that he had to use a physical keyboard. I, anyway, it goes, you, do you want to talk about the end of Cliff? Do we? I mean, yes, he... Yeah, he gets a little bit of an upsetting <laughs> jolt. Um, he finally gets information on his daughter, Clara. Mm-hmm. And it's through those little social media apps. I don't even want to talk. Those little name drops or whatever were really annoying. Ramble and Facehole and... Yeah, say. they were kind of annoying me. They could have easily just said... <laughs> Google. Social media. No, not I'm, maybe not Google because I don't know what lawsuits have to imply. I know it's fun in comic books where you like replace like the mainstream thing with a little silly thing mm. like face a hole's a bad word <laughs> face hole that's just a bad word yeah i don't like that word but, it's almost insulting <laughs> like I would shut your face hole was like one of the, like the things that you would yeah, say so i think that's like, what oh, it is. i think it is supposed to be kind of like explicit in in the doom patrol way of like like fuck facebook kind of thing yeah it's called a face hole yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. But anyway, he was searching through her face yeah. hole. And he finds information on Clara in, in which uh, Bump, I guess his old, his pit crew captain. Was uh, that the guy that was banging his wife? Yeah. Oh, yikes. Yeah. And so um, he, which is weird because, yeah. Just, Guess he adopted her. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. And so <laughs> he's just yelling Bump over and over again. And he smashes the computer and so. It was a good. It was a good close steel moment. I'm sure a lot of people laughed at that same bump over and over again. Do you think it was like a like a forum kind of thing? How you bump your topic? Yeah, that was. That's what I got out of it. I kind of was like, oh, it's like four four chan. Mm. I know it from four chan. Yeah, you bump things, sage things, bump, 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 bump. Yeah. So overall, yeah, I love this episode. Um, I'm sure there was a lot that we missed. We didn't even talk about. Oh the, yeah, there's. Yeah, I mean, we can't possibly talk about everything. everything. I mean, we could, Every but it's, it would be cranny. a four-hour podcast. Yeah, and then you'd be listening to us just try to tell you the episode again. Yeah, well, you just already know, saw it. Yeah, it, there's and there's not much that we can talk about with like the Mister Nobody fiasco flashback because that's something you got to see and really enjoy for what it was. Mm-hmm. It is fucked up i'll never look at pinatas the same way again yeah, it was wacky <laughs> but it was it was the wacky stuff that you've come to know and love of doom patrol but more importantly it was the character development that you guys finally get to see and and i i hope you guys really enjoyed today's episode because i really did and i hope you guys as you continue to uh ingest more doom patrol content that you guys uh fall in love with the entropy of it all and the sad reality. Um, but Nate, if you don't have anything else to say, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. You can find us on all social media at radio doom patrol and the Facebook group, the DC cinematic minute listener society, where you could join us to talk about today's episode or any episodes you're catching up on. And with that said, DJ, please take it away. Well, I'm sure glad they took two hours to talk about a one-hour episode 
Let's just add narcissism to the list of abilities. But that's it for this week, folks. So turn off, toot out, and as always, drop dead. In a god of a fleet of honor, don't you know that honor?